little series I started a couple of weeks ago called One Nation Under God. And if you have found it either in your Bibles, on your electronic device, if you don't have that, you can follow along on the PowerPoint. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning as we read the Word of God if you don't mind. You know, we've had some major developments and some crises that have hit this nation from the time we were here last Sunday to the time that we came in here today. And it's a very scary time that we're living in right now in our nation. When our own service men and women can be murdered on our own soil. It's a little bit unnerving to me, a little bit scary to me. But I want you to know that the moral crisis that we're facing in this country and the unrest that we've been dealing with, it may have caught us off guard, but it did not catch God by surprise. He knew before it ever happened that it was going to happen. And I was comforted yesterday by a scripture, and I'm going to read this text in a moment, but the psalmist wrote in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and he is our strength. He's a present help in time of trouble. And these are some troublesome times that we're living in. But we can still find a refuge. We can still find strength. We can still find a place to run to in the presence of God. Aren't you glad about that this morning? Matthew chapter 24, these are the words of Jesus. I'll begin in verse 36 and read through verse 39. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 38, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Look at verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. I want to take a few moments this morning and I want to conclude this One Nation Under God series with this thought this morning. As it was, so it will be. Father, bless the reading of your word today. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to understand, God, what you want to say and what you want to do. And we gather these altars the next few moments, God. Let the power of your spirit touch us and breathe on us afresh and new. In Jesus' name, everybody together said amen. God bless you today. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word, Pastor Tony. Thank you. <clears throat> Let me go ahead and just jump into this quickly this morning. The second coming of Jesus Christ is the next great event on God's calendar. Jesus often referred to the end of the age or the end of time. As a matter of fact, the entire 24th chapter of the book of Matthew is devoted to the signs of the times at the end of the age. Now, most evangelical Christians, most of us sitting in here this morning, believe that at some point, Jesus Christ is going to come back and rapture or catch us away to live for eternity with him in heaven. 
All of us who have devoted our lives to him and given our hearts to him, we believe that Jesus is going to step out literally on a cloud one day and take us to heaven to live with him. And most of us who believe that also believe that just prior to a horrific seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation is when this event is going to happen. I did not come today to debate your theological stance on eschatology or the study of the end times. I didn't come here today to debate your view on the tribulation, whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib. The bottom line is this, Jesus is coming again, and he's coming again very soon. We have talked so long and have referred so often to the fact that we are living in the last days. And if these are not the last days, Brother Turpin, then God help us when they get here. We are literally, I believe, living in the shadow of the second coming and on the brink of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing to me how current and how relevant Scripture is to the day and the time that we are living in right now. Jesus spoke far ahead of his time, relating to us what life would be like just prior to his return. As a matter of fact, the some of the things that we are experiencing right now in this world, Jesus talked about in the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew. I don't have time this morning to run through all of that, but there's something that Jesus said in this 24th chapter of Matthew that intrigues me. It is the comparison that Jesus made to the end of time and the days of Noah. Whatever it was like in the days of Noah is what it would be like just prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know where all of you stand on this promise, but I want you to know Jesus, whether you believe it or not, Jesus is coming back again to catch us away to live with him for eternity. There is going to be a return. There is going to be a resurrection. There is going to be a rapture. There is going to be a reunion with our loved ones in the air. Jesus is coming again. That's the hope that we have as believers. That's the hope we have as the church. Jesus is coming again. But here's the question. As I look at Matthew 24 and I, I look at the comparison that Jesus made. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. What was it like during the time and the days of Noah? Well, permit me for just a few moments this morning. Matthew 24 and Genesis 6 will help us to see some characteristics of those days. Number one, the days of Noah were marked by a false sense of security. There was during that day and during those times of Noah, there was this eat, drink, and be merry mentality that people had. 
that simply refers to the fact that the people of that day were more consumed and more concerned about the affairs of life more than they were about what was getting ready to happen to them. The Bible says that they were eating and drinking. They were marrying. They were giving in marriage. They, they had ignored the, the preaching and the warnings of the righteous man that Peter called Noah in 2 Peter 2 and 5. They had turned a, a deaf ear to his warnings. And the Bible said they did not know until the flood came and took them Away. They were acting like everything was just business as usual, carrying on like everything was normal and there was nothing that was going on around them and there was nothing that was getting ready to happen. The days of Noah were characterized by a lack of spiritual discernment. The people of that day had no idea of the impending judgment that was waiting at the door for them. And those are just like the days I believe that we are living in right now. People are just carrying on like everything is normal. They're just acting like everything is okay and it's just business as usual. But that's exactly what the Bible told us it would be like that the day of the Lord according to, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, and 3 would come as a thief in the night when everybody is crying peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them. We are living right now in that very day when people just think that everything's okay. We can carry on like normal. It can be business as usual. They have no idea that there is things that are getting ready to happen that is going to hasten the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this world as it was in the days of Noah. So it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. And it is in the shadow of this mentality that the Lord is going to return. Life as normal. I believe that it's going to happen during a time of prosperity. Listen, don't, don't you be lulled to sleep. I know that, that things maybe in a financial sense in this nation have seemed to, to kind of rebound, if you will. You know, just a few years ago, we narrowly avoided stepping off of a fiscal cliff which would have locked down our government. You know, the unemployment rate, they say, is starting to, to go down. The stock market has seemed to, to kind of steady itself and it's kind of balancing out again. They're telling us that the housing market has, has finally settled down. But don't you for a minute be rocked to sleep because here's what Paul told us in Romans 13 and 11. And knowing this, that now it is high time for us to awake out of our sleep for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I know you see some of the signs and I know you, you hear what, what, the, what the reports are from the news and everything seems like it's going to be okay but I want to tell you our salvation is nearer than when we first believed Jesus Christ is coming again soon and as it was in the days of Noah so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus is coming again soon. Here's the second characteristic. During the days of Noah, there was this spirit of sensuality. 
By sensual, I mean there was a lack of moral restraint. I'm telling you, the days of Noah were marked by a disregard for moral purity and normal, healthy relationships. Can I come down here and preach for just a minute? Listen, the Bible tells us in Genesis 6, the first four verses, if you look at that and study that, I don't have time to go into detail of that this morning, but the first four verses of Genesis chapter 6 reveal to us illicit, immoral, sexual relationships that were taking place on the earth during the time of Noah. And upon seeing that, God voiced his displeasure for that. When he said in Genesis 6 and 5, the Bible tells us that the Lord saw that the the wickedness of man was great upon the earth. And that the thoughts and the intents of man's heart was evil continually before God. And verse 11 in Genesis 6 tells us that the whole earth had become corrupt before God. And God was not pleased, and God was not happy, and God was sickened by what was going on in the earth. I want you to understand and realize this this morning, that God has never been passive about man's spiritual condition. God has never turned a blind eye, and God has never turned a deaf ear to man's spiritual condition, nor has he ever turned a blind eye or a deaf ear to sin. And I want to tell you that just like back then during the days of Noah when God saw the wickedness of mankind and he saw the sensuality of mankind it grieved his heart and there were consequences for the action that men took. It is the same in this day and age that we are living in right now because Jesus said at the end of the age that sin would run rampant upon the earth. God will not turn his back on a nation that continues to turn their back on him and snub their nose at him and thumb their nose at scripture. God will not be silent. I want to tell you that the moral slope of this nation has become slippery at best. As a matter of fact, I'm not so sure that we have not already stepped off the moral slippery slope that we have been treading on for so long. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3 and 3 that in the last days that scoffers were going to come. They would mock the truth. They would follow their own desires. Listen, we are witnessing right now those very things when we woke up a couple of weeks ago on a, on a Saturday morning and then on, in the afternoon of, of, of that Friday a couple of weeks ago when the Supreme Court finally made their ruling and finally made their judgment and legalized same-sex marriage in all 50 states of this great land that we live in, I believe we stepped off the moral slippery slope that we had been walking on. And when the White House lit itself up in the colors of the rainbow to affirm gay pride and to affirm the decision of the Supreme Court, I believe that it grieved the heart of God. I believe that it broke the heart of God. Now, I want to be careful right here, and I want you to understand
understand because I said it a couple of weeks ago. I'm not here today to target gay marriage. I'm not here to, to bash homosexuals. I believe that God loves them. There's grace for them. God has a plan for them. The doors of this church are open. They can sit on these pews and they can worship with us and we will love them. We'll embrace them but we will teach them that there is a better way. But just like the days of Noah, we're watching some of those very same things transpire right now that people are following their own desires. Whatever feels good, they're just going to do it. And Paul told us in 2 Timothy 4 and 1 that in the last days there would be many that would turn away, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. We're watching that happen right now and we need people to stand up and to be carriers of the truth and to be a voice of truth and to be a voice of hope and to declare this is what the word of the Lord says. We still need people that will stand up and say thus saith the word of the Lord and we still need people to tell them Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so. We need to preach grace. We need to preach truth. We need to preach mercy. We need to preach love. My God we've got to stand up and let the word of God be declared. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. My God, I thought he was running. I was about to follow him. As it was, so it will be. Here's the third characteristic. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. You want to grab it for me since you told me to go ahead and just take it off and quit buttoning it all the time. There you go. Thank you, sir. Here's the third characteristic. There will be a lack of self-control. Violent and hostile acts were common in the days of Noah. You don't believe me? Genesis 6 and 13 the Lord said this. He said, the end of all flesh has come before me. You know why? Here's what God said. Because the earth is filled with violence through them. I mean, it doesn't take a real smart person to watch the events of the last few years unfold and the violence and the murder and the hate that we're witnessing in the world. When teenagers can walk into a school and open up fire on their own classmates and kill them, as it was, so it will be. We watched a few years back as that deranged, sickened young man walked into Sandy Hook Elementary School in Connecticut and killed so many innocent children and teachers. We've seen it right here at our back door on the campus of Virginia Tech several years ago when 32 people lost their lives. I don't have time to talk to you about the Boston bombers and how violent that act was. Oh, I could stand here today and I could quote for you statistics and facts 
about, oh Lord, listen, I'm not a political preacher and I'm not going to preach politics. About that group that we call ISIS. That the White House said was just a JV squad that we don't need to worry. And 10,000 murdered lives later. Today, they say there's over 10,000 people that have died at the hands of ISIS. As it was in the days of Noah. So it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Need I talk to you about the thousands of innocent Unborn children that are murdered every day in this country through abortion. And the, listen, I'm going to talk about current events here. So if you don't like it, it's not a place for you to be today. I'm tired of the church being silent on stuff. And the fact that Planned Parenthood has the audacity to record and to talk about Selling major organs and tissues for profit of babies that have been aborted. That makes me sick. And what's the church going to do about it? Just watch and say, well, we need to be careful. And in the, in the, for the sake, in the name, God, I feel really bold today. For the sake, in the name of, of political correctness, we need to be careful. No, I'm tired of trying to be politically correct. I've come to the place in my life, I'm going to be biblically correct. And we're going to call sin, sin. We're going to call right, right. We're going to call wrong, wrong. And I'm telling you, the earth is filled with violence right now, just like it was in the days of Noah but I don't want you to lose heart today it just reminds me that at any moment Jesus Christ could step out on a cloud in the eastern sky he could rapture us away he could call us away even so come quickly Lord Jesus Hallelujah. I'm almost done Man has become his own God. Instead of eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, you know what those people should have been doing? They should have been praying and repenting. And instead of the church eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and having our little services and, and programs and, and ministry, we ought to be in our faces before God crying out for mercy upon our nation. Man is no longer content to allow God to govern his life. He's going to do whatever he wants to do. And if it feels good, he's going to do it. I mean, how in the world? How in the world? To somebody on our own soil. And the events of Friday have bothered me. How do five of our servicemen lose their lives Outside of war, oh, it's war. It's a war on terror is what it is. Pastor, that, that wasn't a terrorist act. Man, give me a break, please. I'm going to go ahead and say it because I just feel if I get in trouble, I get in trouble. If I hear one more person tell me that Islam is a peaceful religion, I'm going to scream. There's nothing peaceful about murdering men in cold blood. 
There's nothing, nothing peaceful about jihad and holy war in the name of Allah. There's nothing peaceful. Pastor, you better be careful if this gets out and the wrong person hears it and somebody on the podcast hears it. You better be careful what they'll do to you. Listen, I don't care. I'm going to preach the truth of the word of God. I'm tired of the church being silent. I'm tired of preachers with no spine. I'm tired of preachers that are afraid. Let God be true and every man a liar. The word of the Lord is still true today. Praise God for the truth of his word today. I wish somebody would praise God for the truth of his word today. God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Listen, here's the hope that I have. Stay on your feet. Stand up with me. If you're not standing, come on, stand quickly. Come on, look close. Oh, Lord, I wanted to get to this last part. Here, here's the hope that I have. When I look at the days of Noah, and yes, there was this false sense of security. And yes, there was a spirit of sensuality. And yes, there was a lack of self-control. But I see something in Genesis 8 that gives me hope. The Bible says that, is that okay if you stand for just a minute? You'll go stand in line at a restaurant for 45 minutes today, so you can hang here for a minute. I got one amen. Thank you, Brother Philip. The Bible says that it rained 40 days and 40 nights, and, and all of mankind was wiped out from off the earth. And the Bible tells us that for 150 days, the water was upon the earth. Watch this now. But the Bible says that God caused a wind, everybody say a wind, to pass over the earth. That word wind is the Hebrew word, it's called the ruhah. It's the same word that's used for the spirit of God, the life of God, or the breath of God. So in the natural sense, there was a wind, but I believe that in the spiritual sense, the spirit of God was moving across the face of the earth again. And if you read the Bible, in the book of Acts chapter 2, a wind preceded the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Do I have any Pentecostal people in the building today? That on when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one place in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. The wind preceded the moving of the Holy Spirit. Watch. So God, the Bible said the Lord remembered Noah and caused a wind. The Ruha. The Spirit of God, that word means. The breath of God. Begin to move over the face of the earth again. 
then as the waters began to recede and the ark came to rest the Bible says that another 40 days passed and Noah opened up the window of the ark and he let two birds out first of all he let a raven loose the raven never returned but secondly he let a dove He let the dove loose. Somewhere back in the New Testament. Y'all okay standing good? As John stood in the banks of a muddy Jordan River. And a man named Jesus came walking down to be baptized. John looked at him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus walked into those waters. John lowered him under the water. When he brought him back up, the Bible said that the heavens opened and the Spirit of God. Let, let, let me use the old time word for the Spirit of God. The Holy Ghost. I don't care if you call him Spirit or Ghost, it doesn't matter to me. It's the same thing. But the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, descended like a, like a dove. I'm telling you, the days of Noah were characterized by the dove being let loose. Here's my hope in the midst of a messed up, chaotic world that these last days are going to be characterized by an outpouring and a moving of the Holy Spirit. Like we have never seen before in our lives. Here we go. Watch, watch, watch. I got to finish this. I got to finish there were three times he lets the dove out. The Bible said the dove returned to him. The first time because it could find no place to rest. That is symbolic to me of the, out, of, of, of the operation of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. When he would just come upon the prophets and touch them for a brief moment and then he would move on. Another seven days passes. Noah opens up the ark of the window and he sends the dove out on his second flight. The dove comes back this time, the Bible said, with a freshly plucked olive leaf. And it came back, the Bible said, in the evening. Everybody say the evening. You know, on the Jewish calendar, the evening is the beginning of the new day for Jewish people. When our day is ending on the Jewish calendar, the evening is the beginning of a new day. The evening symbolized the first part of the day, but the evening also symbolized the end or the last part of the day just prior to a new day dawning. So if it symbolized the first part of the day, but also the last part of the day, I think I read somewhere in the book of Job that in the last days it shall come to pass. That was the same words that Peter quoted when he walked out of the upper room because there were a bunch of people there who thought the 120 were drunk because they were stuttering, they were stammering, they were walking around like they were drunk, but it wasn't, it wasn't a drunk like they thought. Peter said, these men are not drunk as ye suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will 
will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Philip, your sons and your daughters, this generation that we're living in right now, they are the ones that are going to experience the outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon their lives. It's kids from Atlanta. It's kids from Kamaska. It's kids from way down in the hotter somewhere. It's kids over in foreign countries. It is the last day outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He waited seven more days and he opened the window and he let the dove loose. And this time, the Bible said the dove never returned. You know why? Because it found a place to dwell. That's symbolic to me of the outpouring and the operation of the Holy Spirit in the world today. He is finding men. He is finding women. He's finding boys. And he's finding girls. That will say, Holy Spirit, if we don't have you, we are not going to make it. Do you realize there are 600 million spirit-filled people that are living in the I said 600 million spirit-filled people that are living in the world today. To the top 10 of our largest churches in this country are spirit-filled Pentecostal tongue talking churches. I'm telling you the dove is flying around everywhere. The dove has been loosed. The Spirit of God is moving. The Spirit of God is operating. He's looking for somebody that will say, Holy Ghost, in these last days, I want you in my life. God, would you raise up your hands and welcome the Holy Ghost? My God, the dove, the dove is loose today. The dove is loose today. <laughs> All right, here's the last thing I promise. I promise, I promise. I didn't mean for you to stand up so long. I'm not sorry, but I didn't mean for you to stand up so long. Remember, he sent the raven out first. The raven never came back. Because as the waters receded, you know what ravens like to eat? Dead flesh. The raven found somewhere. He found dead carcasses underneath those waters and he ate till he was content. It's a proven fact. One of the traits of the dove, it will not come into contact with anything dead. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit won't show up in a dead church. The Holy Ghost that's not welcome into the heart of someone who's spiritually dead and lifeless. I have no need for the Holy Ghost. He won't show up. But I'll tell you where the Holy Ghost, where the dove, the dove is looking for some people that are alive. The dove is looking for a church that is alive and on fire. The Holy Spirit is looking for a place to operate. And listen, in these last days, this is the hope I have. In spite of everything that's going on around us, there is an outpouring of God's Spirit that is happening in this world today. It's happening amongst our children. It's happening amongst our teenagers. I don't want to miss it, Philip. I don't want to miss what the Holy Spirit is doing in this generation as it was, so it will be. My God, let the dove loose just like you did in the days of Noah. Pour out your Spirit.
Here's what I want. Philip, if you will, I want every one of your students to join me in this altar. Every one of your students. I want every, every teenager and every child in this sanctuary that is under the age of 18. I want actually under the age of 21 to come. Come. Every student, every teenager, every child. I want you to come. Hurry. 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 Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Raise up your hands in this place and welcome the dove. Come on. The dove, the Holy Ghost is here today. Come on. Moms and dads, senior adults, do you see this right here? This is where the Holy Ghost is moving in these last days. This last day outpouring. This last day move of God's Spirit, it's happening amongst our sons. It's happening amongst our daughters. That's where revival's happening. That's where the Spirit is pouring Himself out in these last days. I challenge you today to get on board with it and say, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want the Holy Spirit to move in my life. Every, every student in this altar, every teenager, every child, raise up both your hands to God. Come on. Raise up both your hands to God. Now, I need the next generation of people, those of you that are in your pews, I want you to come as close as you can get, and I want you to surround these students and surround this generation. Would you come? Everybody else sit still standing, if you will. I want you to come. Moms and dads, come. Grandma and grandpa, come. Aunts and uncles, come. This is where God is at work. I want the dove to be let loose in this church. I want the dove to be let loose in this community. I want the dove to be let loose in our nation. I want an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon our lives and in our lives. Thank you. 